didn't wake you up. No amount of coffee is going to help. I pulled us away from Luke today. We've been studying Luke. Um, there's a reason. You'll see. But we're going to 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter. And here's what it says. As to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we beg you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as though from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord is already here. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the lawless one is revealed, one, the one destined for destruction. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, declaring himself to be God. Do you not remember that I told you these things when I was still with you? But we must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. For this purpose he called you through our proclamation of good news so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm. Hold fast to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loves us and through grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, comfort your hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word. And then the book of Haggai. Now Haggai is a prophet who was preaching at the same time contemporarily to Jeremiah. And Haggai um, preached to the exiles, the nation of Israel exiled. And he preaches a message of hope. On the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of King Darius, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai, saying, 
Speak now to Zerubbabel, son of Shelatai, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and the high priest, according and the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you that saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Is it not in your sight as nothing? Yet now take courage, O Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Take courage, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Take courage, all you people of the land, says the Lord. Work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the promise that I made you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit abides among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once again in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations, so that the treasure of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with splendor, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The latter splendor of the house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give prosperity, says the Lord of hosts. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This week I received the final draft copy of the two of the last 25 years of history of Vance Memorial Presbyterian Church written by Professor David Javersack. Javersack, if you know him, is an interesting guy to say the least. He has some opinions about things, to say the least. And he spent lots of time reading through our session minutes and our annual reports and our pastor's notes to come up with the last 25 years of history of Vance. Now, we're not quite sure what we're going to do with that, but at some point we're going to try to put it together with the first 100 years of Vance and have a full history of the life of this church for 125 years. I'll tell you several things about that. First of all, you need to know that that document is, is dedicated to Vance Stalwarts, Ben and Lynn Exley. Jabbersack did that um, in honor of you two. Yeah, I know you're looking like, at me like I'm crazy, but that's what he did. He, he wanted to honor you in that way, so it's dedicated to you. Um, the other thing that you need to know is that he taught me something that I had forgotten since ninth grade composition class, which is the value of writing a draft. Because I saw three or four different drafts of this document. 
And the first one was barely an outline. And I read it, and I was so discouraged after I read it. I called Gene Finstein. I said, you've got to come over and read this thing because I am so hopeless now. I just want to go stand in front of a bus. You know, the last 25 years of Vance Church history is not our most glorious. We went from 1,300 members down to seven, down to three, down to about 200 now. Who remembers this house in its former glory? It was very discouraging to read that first draft. Now, he has gone through and talked about it and left us with at least a final page that turns it on its head. It is a message like the message that we hear here from Haggai. The people here are the remnant that's left in Jerusalem. Now what happened was that invaders would come in to places and they would take the best and the brightest and the most glorious stuff. So if their society needed a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, those are the people that they would take with them. And they'd leave the rest. The remnant was left. And the temple didn't look like it used to because the temple used to have gold and silver and fine things in it and Of course, an invading army wanted all of that stuff. And the people would come knowing that their best and brightest and their stuff had been taken away. And there was nothing left, they thought. And it was discouraging. They might have felt like they wanted to go and step in front of a bus, but of course there weren't any buses then. But you read the prophets and again and again, you see how hopeless and downtrodden the people felt. There's nothing here for us. There's nothing left to live for. What are we doing here? We remember when this house was glorious. And at Christmas Eve, you couldn't find a seat in this place. And we needed three stories of Christian education wing because there were children coming out the windows in every room. We had to remove the pool table from the youth room because there were too many teenagers in there jumping up and down on the furniture. And the former glory of the house was something to behold. 
It makes me wonder the way I know people's minds work about whether or not the former glory of the house was really all that glorious. You know how you do that? You remember, for example, when your kids were little. And now that your grandparents and your children are having trouble with their children who are little because they're frustrating little snot factories. And they say to you, I just can't take one more minute with this three-year-old. And your memory says, oh, but three-year-olds are delightful. When you were three, I patted you on the head and fed you lollipops and there were unicorns and roses everywhere. Right? Our memories remember, our minds remember what we want to. Not necessarily the way things really were. So I wonder how glorious the temple really was. I wonder what it was like to have 1,300 people here. I don't know. I know a couple of things. I know that's a lot of people. And good for you for really reaching all those people. But I also know that our faithfulness is not measured on numbers. Faithfulness is measured on our connection with God. So... How does that work? Yes, we remember the former glory, but you know, Haggai says, take courage. The former things were great, but you know what? The reason the former things were great is because God is good. And guess what? God is still good. God still blesses you today. Life doesn't look like it did back then, but we're not defined by our past. And the future is glorious because the same God who blessed us in the past blesses us today and will continue to bless us in the future. I get weary of hearing about how the mainline Protestant church is in decline, how, oh, woe is us, we're not like we were, blah, 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 blah. Just shut up. Do you know what's happening in our churches? The church in Africa is booming. They can't build churches fast enough. They can't find church planners fast enough. They can't train them fast enough. The church in East Asia is booming. 
The church in China is alive and it's crazy because it's illegal and they can go to jail and all kinds of crazy things can happen. And they're still taking off like gangbusters. And some of you want to talk about the former glory of the house. Instead of hearing the message to take courage, take courage. In this place where our children come and say what they love about our church is the people in it. And where our teenagers come in and talk to the pastor because they know that's the safe space they have to talk. And where we don't have standing room only at Christmas Eve anymore, but you know what? We worship God. And people are welcome and embraced. And the mission of God is done through this place in our community. Because that's what we're called to do. We had over a hundred children in this church on Monday night. They were incredible, little smiling faces, grubbing up all the candy their little fingers could grub. Happy. And I will tell you, I will always commit to doing that event because the socioeconomic level of the people that walked into this church was far lower than any we usually see. There was not a parent who didn't leave out of this place to say, thank you for putting on this event. We had a ball. There weren't 1,300 people here. There weren't 300 kids here like the first year we did it. But all of that is still worthy. Take courage, church. The God who blessed you then, blesses you now, and will bless you in the future. (laughs) Here's one other thing you don't know. We had leftover cooked hot dogs. I love this story. The health department has gotten very strict about outside organizations receiving food. So we couldn't, for example, take that stuff to the soup kitchen or Laughlin Chapel or any of those places. They won't let us do that anymore. You can't take outside stuff to some place where people might eat it. Dogs ain't people. I took it to the Ohio County Elmer Shelter. If you look on Facebook, you will see there's this great dog, and I'm thinking about going to get him for Mary Harley. His name is Scooby, and you'll see him receiving his hot dog. And the caption says, thank you, Vance Church, for dogs for our dogs. Every dog in that place, and they're all big dogs. They all coincidentally happen to be really big dogs right now. All of them got a dog. They were, it was like we gave them a feast. 
because there's nothing that goes to waste here if I'm around. All of that is doing God's mission in our community. All of that is doing what God has called us to do. All of that is living the way God intends. You know, the prophets say, your worship don't mean nothing if you ain't living right, but we're living right. This worship matters. What happens here matters. The numbers are consequential. The worship the mission, the service, the connection with what is holy is what matters. Church, take courage. Our organ blasts, our kids smile, and our God is worshipped. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God.